When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talk to your kids about 10 Win Pit. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. I'm your host, Corey Cohen, and uh, in this episode, I'm joined uh, once again by uh, Cardiac Hill contributor, Colin Sturchio. Colin, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Great. Glad to have you back. Um, yeah, a lot, lot to talk about uh, with, with 10 Win Pit. Um, we'll talk about sort of the season as a whole. We'll talk about awards and all that um but first let's talk about the Syracuse game uh specifically Pitt won 31 to 14 early on in that game things looked a little bit rough I won't lie they looked fairly lethargic the first quarter where Pitt has succeeded uh, a ton so far this season they've come out guns blazing they looked fairly lifeless and I you know I get it to some extent but it looked pretty bad it looked like maybe Pitt might lose that game uh, but then starting in the second quarter, they started to pick it up. By the third quarter, they really put it away. Uh, in that game, uh, we saw some good performances. Uh, I mean, overall, what what was your takeaway in that uh, win over Syracuse? Honestly, I think it's – the biggest thing that I caught was that Pitt is a team that they want to win, and they might have a slow start in the beginning, but they're not afraid to then, especially in the second half, put it in high gear and do what they need to do to win. And I think going into this ACC championship game this Saturday, that puts them in a good spot, obviously against Syracuse. You're hoping it's just going to be guns blazing the whole time. At the same time, if there's any game to kind of pump the brakes a little bit, I think it's your last game against Syracuse. Cause even if you don't win, what's the harm? You clinch the coastal, you're in the championship game. If you want to make it to where you're not showing all your cards. That's fine. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, overall in that game, I said on the pod last week, if you're go if there was anything with the Syracuse game where you felt like doing anything would be a disadvantage for the ACC championship game, don't do it. So if that means playing your starters in the fourth quarter, if that means running a certain play that you want to save for a big game, whatever it is, if it was going to in any way disadvantage you for the next week, do not do it. So ultimately, I don't know if maybe they took that, you know, maybe a little bit too rigidly in the first quarter, then they loosened up a bit. I don't know. But whatever it was, I mean, overall, that first quarter, they really acted like we don't need to win this game. After that, they started to pick it up. But the fact of the matter is they didn't need to win the game. It was great. It was helpful. They move up the rankings. But ultimately, if they lose that game but win the ACC, no one's going to care about the Syracuse game. It's really just, okay, you get that win, and boom, you're on to next week already. Well, to me, at the end of the day, as great as Pitt has had such a wonderful season this year, it's safe to say they're not making the playoff at all. Right. They're going to be in the high teens, even if they win the championship at this point. And to me... With that being the case, like you said, if they lost to Syracuse, but they win the championship, nobody's going to really think anything of it. 
And I'd rather save your cards and do what you need to do to win a championship come Saturday than blow your chance against not a nothing team in Syracuse, but nothing meaningful. Yeah. And now in the specific, uh, you know, you look at the, the, the play calling, uh, there were some questionable uh, calls there from uh, from the offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple. Um, there, there was an issue where Kenny Pickett ended up throwing an interception because they threw it deep when they should have been running the ball. There was later in the game when, OK, yeah, they're they're killing clock and the first two downs, they ran the ball. But on third down, when maybe you should have passed to try to get a first down uh, or a touchdown, they ran the ball again. So there were still some questionable things there. Uh, but yeah, overall, it doesn't matter a ton. I mean, Kenny Pickett, he played well. Like I said, there was that issue with the play calling, throwing the deep ball when they should have just you know, ran the ball there. Uh, and so he did have the interception, which is an ideal, but still 209 yards, four touchdowns, the one interception. He had a good game. Vincent Davis stepped up in the running back position. Uh, Banacanda was injured. Uh, Jordan Addison, again, stellar. Gavin Bartholomew, a tight end you know, starting to look really, really good in that position. And even the defense looked good. I mean, overall, for as bad as that first quarter was, this was a pretty complete game. Well, and even like like you were talking about with Pickett's uh, stat line, even with the interception, he only missed 10 passes. It's not – for a game that you were so slow in the beginning, that's not a bad stat line to have. And have uh, Addison have two touchdowns, and uh, I can never say the type – Gavin's yeah, last name. Yeah. Thank you to have a touchdown there as well. Like it just showed that this offense is even if it's slow to start, it can run on all cylinders when it needs to. And if the defense can keep up what it's doing, I think they've got a great shot against Wake Forest. Yeah. And, and we'll talk uh, a little bit more about that game in, in just a few moments. Uh, let's talk, let's sort of take a step back and, and talk about 10 win pit. I mean, this is a pretty remarkable uh, feat. Uh, I mean, so we all, uh, first time who, since 81, right? Yeah, first time in 40 years, if you can believe it. I mean, it's remarkable. Uh, people who remember the uh, when they hired Pat Narduzzi, there was no athletic director at the time, uh, and Dr. Randy Jewell was leading the hiring committee. And there's a, a phenomenal quote that he said, which is, if Pitt can cure polio, we can sure as hell win 10 games, 10 football games. And... Uh, and for so long, I mean, as you said, 40 years for so long, it seemed, you know, like a great line. But, yeah, I don't know if they can win 10 games. They went out and they did it. And a ton of credit to them because, you know, eight wins. OK, you know, that that's solid. Nine wins, really tough. But I think that's sort of the ceiling that you're thinking about. Ten wins seemed next to impossible for pit football. And the fact that they were able to do it, including with the loss to to uh, Western Michigan and the loss to, to Miami where both times people were a little bit on edge thinking, Oh, now this team's going to fall off a cliff. Pretty remarkable that they got to 10 wins in a season. Uh, major credit to the coaching staff into this program. Oh, I completely agree. And I mean, I'll be the first to say it. I wasn't around when they won 10 games the last time. So this is great for somebody like me. I wasn't even thought at that point. So and I, I know I brought this up to you last time, but I said to have, for every Pitt fan to just soak it in because I brought up the, the Miami game where we played spoiler against number two Miami. And I had that pop up in my memories the other day, and it 
I totally forgot that this even happened, but that was Kenny Pickett's first start. Yep. And to me overall, it was, it's just shown how full circle he's come and how full circle overall this entire organization, the team has come. And it's crazy to see them go from being the team to play spoiler, even in a bad season to then being the 10 win team to go on to have a shot at the ACC title. Yeah, it really is remarkable. I mean, this, this has been a program that's known for great players and some big wins, but not complete seasons. This is the kind of program that will produce Larry Fitzgerald and Aaron Donald and James Conner, and they'll beat Clemson and maybe beat Penn State and knock a team out of the playoff or whatever, but or Miami, but they're not the team that puts together a 10-win season. And they were able to do it this year, and that's just incredible. And we talked a couple of weeks ago when you were on the pod about the future and overall it's a conversation still to be had at a later day, but you sort of made the case that, Hey, if they can, you know, get a decent quarterback, whether it's someone already on the roster or a transfer uh, that all the other pieces are, are looking good enough that the next season, they should be able to get eight or nine wins. I was a little bit more pessimistic or a little bit more cautious. I thought, you know, after Kenny goes, I don't see how this team is going to get more than seven wins just because I think he's so instrumental. And while he is instrumental, I'm starting to believe that, yeah, they are going to be really good next year. Now it all comes down to the quarterback that they, they I agree. need to have Nick Patty or Davis Bevel or transfer come in. I mean, you've got to have someone not at Kenny Pickett's level, obviously, but someone who's pretty darn good. But if you get that, I mean, the rest of the pieces look great. Abanacanda is going to be back. Uh, you know, Vincent Davis starting to look good. Rodney Hammond looks great. Addison is going to be back. Gavin Bartholomew is just going to be a sophomore. And the defense for a lot of the frustrations this year, they're looking good too. I think this can be a really good team next year. I mean, maybe I'm getting a little too ahead of myself, but, and, and so much does come down to the quarterback, but I do think that what they've been able to put together this season will be able to carry over next year. Well, and as much, I, I completely agree with it. It definitely depends on who the quarterback is. And the more that I'm seeing the momentum that Pitt has, if I were them in all honesty, I'd try your hardest to hope that one of these guys, whether it's Spencer Rattler or the uh, quarterback coming out of LSU. Yeah, totally uh, bl- blanked on his name. But yeah, there are a lot of quarterbacks going to the transfer portal. I to think me, Ohio if you State, can get somebody like, if you can get somebody one. like that, yeah, exactly. If you can get somebody like that to come in, even if it's just to give one of those other guys another year of seasoning in this, um, in this coaching, coaching group, I think it's what you need because you've got to go with the momentum that this team has. Because if you, I'm afraid if you put one of those guys in right now, it's going to skid back on this momentum and it's going to hurt the team. In all honesty, that's just the way I look at it. Yeah, I, it's it's pretty interesting how, I mean, and it, it, a lot of it depends, but when you put together a really good season, two things can happen. One, it can be a fluke, or two, it can really turn the program around. I mean, we sort of forget now, but Clemson, until a few years ago, was just a solid, good program. They were not the world beaters that we all knew them to be until – this season where they struggled a little bit still ranked but struggled a bit it really took that first great season and then they became a power um 
on the other hand, it might last just one year or or maybe two, and then you fall off. I mean, Florida State seemed to be a power. They won the national championship a couple of years later. They're really struggling. So a lot of it depends, of course, and of course, you know, coaching moves and things like that. But there is something to be said when you put together a 10 and maybe even 11 win season. And if everything goes right, then it's even 12 if you win the ACC and then you win a bowl game. If you put that together, maybe you can get some transfers, some really good transfers in that normally Pitt would never be able to get. But all of a sudden, people look at it and say, hey, this is a program that just won the ACC, if they do. They can win the ACC again. There's nothing stopping them. And all of a sudden, Pitt can go from one of the teams in the ACC in the Coastal Chaos to this is the team to beat in the Coastal and has a really good shot at winning the ACC outright. Well, and... The only thing that I think would scare any of these potential transfers is if something crazy happens with the coaching. And I haven't heard any rumblings of Narduzzi looking to go somewhere else. But with Oklahoma now being open and a few years away from joining the SEC, who who knows? I mean, I don't think anybody expected Lincoln Riley to go to uh, USC and just flat out leave Oklahoma. So the door is open, but... I personally, I can't see Narduzzi wanting to leave now. If if we were in a completely different state, maybe. But the question's still there. That's the only thing that I think would scare any of these potential transfers. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little. So let's let's talk about the the coaching uh, carousel a little bit, and then we'll get back to the uh, to the awards. Um, so we talked about Lincoln Riley, who left Oklahoma to go to USC. Uh, to me, Oklahoma is one of the few jobs that you wouldn't – it's one of the top jobs, a job that you yeah. – very few programs would make me leave Oklahoma if I were there. USC is one of those very few uh, because you're you're in the Pac-12. You're in a great setup where it's a lot it, – it's even easier to win than the Big 12. And if you win the Pac-12 and you're – 11 and one, you're in the playoff, you know, so that's a great, uh, or I should say 11 and one in the regular season. Um, so that's a, a great, great spot to be in. So even though it's crazy that someone left Oklahoma because no one ever leaves Oklahoma, uh, that's one of the jobs that you leave it for. So that leaves Oklahoma open. The other big news that just broke shortly before recording this is Brian Kelly, the head coach of Notre Dame for over a decade is leaving to go to LSU. Oh, and, I hadn't heard that at all. So <laughs> Okay, so I'm breaking news to you. So that's absolutely huge news. And in fact, I just saw a tweet um, that said that the boosters and coaches and admins at Notre Dame that, uh, that, that they're speaking to, this is a, a staff writer at, at The Athletic, they're blindsided. I mean, this is shocking to them. They were not expecting this at all. So Brian Kelly... And, and by the way, Notre Dame is one of the only other jobs that I would leave Oklahoma for because it's even – that might be the cushiest job because it's a brand that recruits itself. You barely have to do work. You've got it, boosters who will pay so much money. You've got a huge TV contract. And all you have to do is win like nine games a year. Occasionally, you get a year where you win 11 games, and you're set. I mean, that's what Brian Kelly's done. He hasn't won a national championship there. He hasn't even come all that close. But he's been there for over a decade, and absolutely not a single person was saying, hey, Notre Dame should fire Brian Kelly. I mean, that is a cushy job, but he's leaving to go to LSU. So now you talk about, well, 
Notre Dame's open. What could happen there? Now, I think the front runner in the clubhouse is, is Luke Fickle at Cincinnati. The last time Notre Dame was open, they hired a Cincinnati coach, which was uh, Brian Kelly. That worked out pretty well. Uh, I think Cincinnati, with how they're doing, I think Luke Fickle makes a ton of sense. But if Notre Dame can't get Luke Fickle, you never know who they look at. Could they look at Pat Arduzzi? Who knows? Well, there's one thing. There's one tweet I did just see come across my feed on this. Now I'm seeing everything come through mine. And I don't know how. I've heard these rumblings for a while now. So this is one thing I'll say too. And the tweet is, with Notre Dame's job now open, this might be the second biggest thing to fall into Urban Meyer's lap in this year. Could it be? Wow. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, God. Urban Meyer in Notre Dame. That would be something else. And before I hear anything, I've got to give credit to that to Annie Agger. That, that's good. Yeah, that's good. It's uh, – a lot of things could happen. I mean, I, the Oklahoma job, I don't think they're looking at Pat Narduzzi, and, and I don't think uh, that's a consideration. Notre Dame possible if Luke Fickle uh, passes it up. Now, do I expect Luke Fickle to stay at Cincinnati after this season? No, I really don't. Because uh, even with them going to the Big 12, I don't see that. No. I mean, and that's I, still a couple years away. That's the thing. If it were next year, you could maybe make That'd the case, something. okay, Cincinnati, it's going to be Big 12. you got a shot. But having to to wait for another couple of years before entering the Big 12 and having to know that you have zero margin for error, you have to go literally undefeated for any chance at the playoff or even a New Year's Six Bowl. I mean, that's tough. I could very well see him bouncing. Oklahoma was a maybe, but Notre Dame just seems absolutely perfect between the two. Well, who do you see filling that Oklahoma job then? I honestly you. have no idea. <laughs> the Oklahoma one is confounding uh, because what? No, I don't know if anybody expected it. And that's, I think it's the same with the Notre Dame now. What do you do? Yeah. I mean, I, the only, the, there were just a couple of names in college football this year uh, where you could look at them and, and say, okay, that whatever job is open up, you've got to call that person. Um, and you know, some of those names are off the board. Dave Aranda at Baylor uh, is just signing a uh, who was uh, the defensive coordinator, I believe, at LSU for years. He's signing an extension at Baylor. Um, Dave Clawson just signed an extension at Wake Forest. He's not going anywhere. Um, uh, Mel Tucker, at Michigan State, just signed an extension. So I think Luke Fickle to Notre Dame. If I were to guess for Oklahoma, I saw I've seen some rumblings about Brent Venables, the defensive coordinator at Clemson. He's been there forever. He's never taken a head coaching job. But if there's one pro, I mean, he's not going to leave Clemson as a defensive coordinator to go to Pitt or to go to, you know, a, a solid ACC team or whatever, or even Big 12 team. But Oklahoma, that's a job that I think Brett Venables would leave Clemson for and I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and in all honesty, this the these two moves may cause drastic ripples through college football. It's earth shattering. I mean, the first one was earth shattering. Lincoln Riley. Now Brian Kelly. You've got Notre Dame and Oklahoma both open right now. That's wild. We thought it was wild that USC and LSU were both open at the same time. Notre Dame and Oklahoma. Those are like two of the best programs ever. You already heard rumblings of Dabo possibly leaving uh, Clemson, and at this point, I can't even remember to where. It very well may have been LSU. Yeah. Well. (laughs) 
that exactly but god knows what these two moves are going to do you could have ripples all through coaching and not just the ACC, but all through college football. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting offseason at this point. Absolutely. Like I said, we thought it was nuts that USC and LSU were both open. That was huge. But now Oklahoma and Notre Dame being open, those are two of the cushiest jobs, and they are wide open, and they can get almost anyone that they want. Um, it'll be really interesting to see uh, moving forward. Um, let's talk about uh, some awards because we're getting to that point okay. in the season. The Bletnikoff Award for Best Wide Receiver. Uh, Jordan Addison, uh, he's been absolutely phenomenal. He was named as one of the three finalists, said on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, if he's not a finalist, it's an absolute travesty. He is a finalist. Now I'm getting to the point saying, if he doesn't win, it's a travesty. That's how good I think he is. And I would agree. Uh, and, and we'll see. I mean, yeah, overall, uh, it, it seems to be momentum is shifting in that direction, that he should win and maybe will win. He deserves it so much. I completely agree. He's just, he's shown what you need to be to, I I wouldn't necessarily say be a star wide receiver, but he's done exactly what you need to do to win an award like that. Anytime a ball is thrown to him, you're not seeing drops like crazy. He's making big plays. And besides Kenny Pickett that I know, and I know you're going to bring this up in a little bit, but with the Heisman, there's a reason both of those are both of those guys are in talks for awards. They've clicked together and they've made something special in this pit offense. Yeah, it's I mean, those two. The reason this offense is so good, it's those two. It's Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison, and they deserve awards for that. Um, I, I don't think it's because of the offensive line. It's not. I don't think it's because of the offensive coordinator. It's because of Kenny Pickett. It's not because of the run game. It's because of Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison. And so Addison, I think uh, you look around, and you see, okay, is there another wide receiver who's been better than him this year? No, there's not. So I think it's got to be him. Then there's the Heisman. This race is more wide open than it has been really at any point. Normally at this point, going into conference championship weekend, everyone knows who it's going to be. That's really not the case now. I mean, Bry- uh, Bryce Young at Alabama seems to be the leader in the clubhouse. But for most of that game against Auburn this past weekend, he was not looking good at all. It, it took until the final drive in the fourth quarter to tie the game, and then he played well in overtime as well. But he's not looking great, and with a bad performance against Georgia, he might not get it. C.J. Stroud at Ohio State didn't look very good against Michigan. I mean, Kenny Pickett, he didn't have the best game against Syracuse, and we'll see what he does in, in this upcoming game against Wake. But it could be wide open. If there's ever been a, a, an ability for a pit player to win a Heisman, it's a year like this where there is just no one. The top teams don't have – Georgia does not have one guy who's going to go out there and win it. Cincinnati does not have one guy who's going to go out there and win it. Same with Michigan even. So there's a wide open space there for Pickett. To me, in all honesty, if you're looking at a team like Georgia, I'd say the, the closest guy you've got to be in that standout is honestly Jordan Davis on defense a tackle, but even that, I feel like, like you said, this whole year, it's, it's wide open. Uh, I know I've been reading articles today that have said, does anybody want to win this award? Yeah. At the end of the day, because like you said, there, any other year, there are plenty of guys that you've got it pinpointed to one or two guys by the, by the end of the season and it's wide open. And in all honesty, I say Kenny Pickett's made just as great of a case as anybody to win this award. Mm -hmm. 
I wouldn't be at all mad if he wins it. Would I be upset if he loses it? No, because it's a wide open race at the same time. I, I'm in the same uh, camp, I think, as you. Uh, if he doesn't win it, okay. But it's not – there's no obvious person that should definitely win it above uh, Kenny Pickett. I mean, you compare Pickett to Bryce Young, who right now, like I said, is the favorite. Uh, Pickett with a uh, little over 100 more yards passing. They've got the same number of touchdowns. Uh, Pickett does have three more interceptions. The one that uh, came against Syracuse, not ideal. Um, now, obviously, the case to be made for Pickett is that he's doing all this without mo- you know, the weapons that Alabama has, without the system that Alabama has. Alabama has had a Heisman contender at quarterback for years now. Uh, whoever's there becomes a Heisman contender, whereas what Kenny Pickett is doing is, is you know, uncharted territory. And the, the weapons that he has around him, a lot less, obviously, than you have to work with at Alabama. So that's the case to be made for Kenny Pickett. Again, if Bryce Young wins it, I get it. But it's certainly just still just a wide open year because there isn't that guy who, yeah, this person absolutely has to get it. There's not the Johnny Manziel or the Jameis Winston or the Andrew Luck or whoever it is, the RG3. It is wide open. Well, and to me, I, I think the one thing that, that can be said, whether Kenny Pickett wins it or not, to have a pit player in the conversation this late, I mean, at the end of the regular season, is huge for, for the organization, just overall. Nobody, I think, coming in this year, we all knew Kenny Pickett was a good quarterback, but I don't think anybody expected this. So I think to have just pit in the conversation overall is great. And like you said, if Bryce Young wins, I'm not going to be mad. I don't think anybody's going to be mad because it's so wild. I'd open, but if Kenny Pickett wins, great. Allow him to have that moment and call it a day. I do think he should definitely be a finalist. I wouldn't be upset or mad if he doesn't win, but I do think it'd be a real slight if he's not a finalist. He is 100% deserving of, he's one of the top four players in the country. He should be a finalist. Well, when you've got draft analysts saying he's the best quarterback in the entire class, that says something right there. I feel like it's a slight, like you said, if he's not a finalist. Yeah, so we'll see if he goes to New York. Uh, A lot comes down to this upcoming game against Wake Forest. Um, We are going to take a very quick break. We'll come back in just a moment. Um, We'll talk uh, top 25. We'll talk ACC championship game. All that coming up in just a moment. Okay, we are back from break. Uh, We'll talk about the ACC championship game in just a second. Uh, First, I want to go over the top 25. Uh, We're going to wait to see what happens in the uh, the playoff rankings. But right now in the AP rankings, Pitt is 17. In the coaches' rankings, Pitt is 15. Ultimately, none of that actually matters uh, because it, it all – the only thing that matters is the playoff ranking. Uh, here's how I would rank it right now, and then uh, tell me if there's anything egregious and we could talk about playoffs and stuff like that. Uh, I've got number one, Georgia, two, Cincinnati, three, Michigan, four, Alabama, Five Notre Dame, six Ole Miss. I think they've been great. And one of their they've got two losses, but one of them's to Bama. Uh, seven, I've got Oklahoma State. Eight, Ohio State. Nine, Michigan State. Ten is Baylor. Eleven is Oregon. I would have Pitt at twelve right now. Uh, I'd have Wake at thirteen. Oklahoma at fourteen. I could make a case for Oklahoma above Pitt and Wake, but we'll see. Uh, BYU at fifteen. They almost lost uh, this past weekend to USC. Uh, Iowa at sixteen. Arkansas at 17, Utah 18, Houston at 19, 
Then uh, the top uh, from 20 to 25, I've got Kentucky, Clemson, NC State, San Diego State, Texas A&M, and Minnesota at the bottom who just beat Wisconsin. Uh, anything uh, dramatic stick out to you? My biggest one is um, Notre Dame at five. I, it's because to me, in all honesty, if I'm if I'm doing my top five, it's going Georgia, Cincinnati, Michigan, Alabama, Oklahoma State. Interesting. It just because to me, in all honesty, and Oklahoma's got to win their cha- or Oklahoma State's got to win their championship, obviously, to still be in the contention. But if they win and Alabama loses. I feel like you're right there to say you've got a shot at a Michigan. And if Michigan wins the big 10 championship, you've got a shot at a Michigan, Georgia, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma state playoff, which sounds crazy in theory, especially if you would have said, said somebody at the beginning of the year, but with the way all these teams have played, I feel like if Alabama loses to Georgia, they're a two loss team at that point. What do they really have to say with the champion? Or yeah. You're, you're not being in the playoff. Yeah. And that's, what's interesting, right? Is that, Everyone expects Georgia to be Bama. Now, if Alabama wins, they're in, and, and that's fine. Yeah, but everyone's expecting Georgia to win. If they win, Bama's out. No question about it, Bama's out. Uh, because the only spot you could put them is four, where they just play at Georgia again. No one wants to see that if they just lost to Georgia. You know, Championship. Right, exactly. So if Georgia wins, and which people expect, if Michigan wins and Cincinnati wins, what people expect, Boom, that's three spots right there secured. So then the fourth spot, you take out Alabama, and it's really just a fight between Notre Dame and Oklahoma State. And I think, to me, I think the biggest thing that honestly hurts Notre Dame at this point is not having a conference. Yeah, which is amazing. And, and maybe why Brian Kelly's leaving. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. But that's the thing, because even look at last year, they got put in because they were in the ACC, in all honesty. That was the biggest reason. Yeah. and. I don't know if it's time. I'm, I know I've heard people say this for years. I don't know if it's time, especially with this type of playoff for Notre Dame to finally look at joining the ACC, which if that's the case, God knows we're, there's no, they're the top powerhouse in the ACC. Yeah. If that's the case, hundred yep. percent. But otherwise that's why I say you go with Oklahoma state because they've, they've shown they're a tremendous team and why not throw a little bit of a wild card in there? Yeah, now, I, look, I'm not going to make uh, the, the biggest case for Notre Dame. It, I'm not the biggest uh, fan. Well, Brian Kelly's leaving, but I'm certainly not a fan of Brian Kelly and, <laughs> and all that. Um, not that I'm a fan of Mike Gundy either in Oklahoma State because I'm not. Uh, however, I could see it from both perspectives, right? Because Notre Dame, you could easily make the case and say, uh, well, they haven't beaten anyone who's all that good. And for the most part, that's true. I mean, their best win is against Wisconsin, who, again, right now, I wouldn't have ranked. I'd have Minnesota at 25 and them just I behind agree. Minnesota. Um, outside of that, they haven't beaten anyone who's ranked. Virginia looked pretty good, but they're not ranked. No one else they've beaten. USC's had a down year. Virginia Tech hasn't been very good. So they haven't beaten anyone who's great. Um, then the, the case on the other end is, well, if not for losing to Cincinnati, who's a playoff team, they'd be undefeated and they'd be in. So that's the, the case for and against Notre Dame. Case for and against Oklahoma State, four is they win a conference. You only lose one game. You got to put them in. The case against it is really just that the Big 12 is almost as weak as Notre Dame's schedule. Um, 
you know, you look at the, the big 12, they're, they're, you know, okay. They beat Kansas state. They were okay this year. They beat Baylor. And if they, if they win this weekend, they will have beaten Baylor twice. Okay. Baylor's pretty good. Texas turned out to be awful. West Virginia, pretty bad this year and beating Oklahoma, Oklahoma had kind of a down year. So it's, it's tricky. Neither Notre Dame or Oklahoma state have impressed me a ton. I lean, I think if Oklahoma state does win this weekend, I think I'm with you. I think I put them above Notre Dame, but it's tough. To me, the only way I really see Notre Dame getting in and being a lock is if Michigan loses to Iowa in the big 10 championship. Yep. Or if Cincinnati loses. Yes, one of those two, because regardless, if Georgia loses to Alabama, Georgia's still going to be in. They've yep. had a tremendous season and deserve to be in. And obviously one of those two teams is out at that point. But if you have either Michigan lose or Cincinnati lose, then you've got that open spot. And I very well see at that point Notre Dame get again. Now you had Pitt at 12. I was going to say Pitt at 13, but I'm definitely going to take Pitt at 12. That's the <laughs> case. So other than that, I don't have anything to really disagree with. And, and we'll talk about the weight game coming up. If Pitt wins, and I'm expecting in the playoff ranking Pitt to be more like 14 or something. Me too. Um, yeah, I, uh, maybe 15, but somewhere, you know, 14, 15. Uh, however, if they win the ACC, I think they go up close to, close to 10. I mean, I think if Pitt wins, they jump BYU, they jump, uh, uh, they jump, Baylor, if they lose the Big 12, or really whoever loses the Big 12, I think Pitt jumps them. Uh, and Pitt would jump Oklahoma if, if they haven't already. Pitt would jump Iowa uh, if they haven't already, assuming Iowa loses the Big 10 championship. Uh, and then maybe Oregon, if Oregon loses the Pac-12. You know, so obviously the Pac-12 is, uh, you know, it depends. I don't know if Pitt would jump Ohio State or Michigan State. Probably not. But... I think depending on how it plays out in the big 12 championship in the big 10 championship and the pac 12, I think Pitt right now, probably 14, 15, I've got them at 12 and then, but if they win, yeah, I think they're 10 or 11, maybe. Yeah. I was going to say very well, if they win, I won't be surprised to see them crack the top 10, which to finish the season, at least playoff or championship playoff rankings. I'm perfectly happy with a 10, a number 10 season. Even if they're number 11, I'm happy with that as a Pitt fan. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, I think, again, you might have Ohio State and Michigan State sort of entrenched entrenched there. Uh, the winner of the Pac-12, you might have above. Um, the, the winner of the Big 12, obviously, you have above. But, yeah, I, if Pitt wins, I think somewhere around 10 or 11 would be my guess. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this ACC championship game. Wake Forest is the matchup. It could have been Wake. It could have been NC State. It could have been Clemson. For me, going into this past weekend, I thought the best matchup for Pitt is Wake Forest. Uh, for whatever reason, Pitt does not play well against NC State in any sport. I don't get it, but that's just what it is. Uh, and then uh, Clemson, if I'm a Pitt fan, I, I don't want to see them again a second time in the season, uh, especially as Clemson's getting better. I think Wake, they looked really good against Boston College, but I do think they're starting to fade a little bit. They lost to North Carolina. They almost lost to NC State. They lost to Clemson. I think people are starting to figure them out a little bit. And yeah, they're going to put up a lot of points, but their defense is not that good. And I think Pitt, I mean, this is going to be a, probably a high scoring game. I think this is a game that Pitt could win. Oh, I completely agree. And like you were saying, I see this being 
one of those super high scoring games with offenses putting up a ton of points because Kenny Pickett's going to have a game and Wake Forest is going to have a game. And we talked about it last time I was on the pod. This was the, this was the matchup that had the best ramifications overall for Pitt because I was terrified watching that NC state game. I wanted, I wanted nothing more than for them to lose just so it wouldn't be that way. And again, like you said, if it would have been Clemson that nobody wants to see them as they're getting better, they're ranked 23rd at this point, but that's a little, that's a sneaky 23. Yep. At this point. And so overall I see it being very close, but I see Pitt inching it out. I touched down field goal, maybe two, two scores at most. I think. I think I'm right around there with you. I mean, I, I do think it'll be a shootout. I'd be shocked uh, if this game is not very high scoring. I think Kenny Pickett and Sam Hartman are two of the three or four best quarterbacks in the ACC. Uh, I'd say Pickett's number one Hartman, maybe four. I mean, you're talking about Sam Howell at North Carolina um, and Armstrong at Virginia might, might be a little bit better, but, Sam Harmon's a really good quarterback. The Wake Forest offense is very, very good. I think both teams will play well. I do think that Pitt wins by three to seven points, somewhere in there. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, I think this is going to be a good game, a high-scoring game. But, you know, th- this is – it's going to be a fun game. These are two programs that are not used to this level of success. They're not used to being there. And I think it's going to be really fun for both coaches. Dave Clawson is super likable and easy to root for. Um, And so I think both coaches are happy to be there. Uh, They really appreciate what they've been able to do. And, and, you know, this is a big deal for both of them. Uh, I think the same goes with the fan bases. So I think it'll be a really fun game. I think it'll be pretty evenly matched. Uh, I do think Pitt comes out on top. But, yeah, overall, I think this is going to be – it's not the sexiest matchup on paper – you know, ESPN might not be thrilled with Pitt versus Wake Forest instead of, you know, Miami versus Clemson. But I think this is going to be a really good and a really fun matchup. I agree. And like you said, it's giving two, it's giving two schools that never really get this opportunity to have their fans travel. I mean, it's obviously not as far of a travel for Wake Forest, but um, it's giving two fan bases a chance to travel and celebrate one way or another, celebrate a championship and both celebrate great seasons. So to me, as somebody who watches the ACC quite a bit, it's it's great to see. And it, it's something different at the end of the day. Absolutely. And I think that's what's really fun. It's not the same old Clemson is just going to beat whoever the Coastal puts up. It's This is going to be a game. It's going to be fun. Both of these programs are not used to being in this position, but they're going to put on a really good show and a good performance. I, I think it'll be a great game. Uh, for anyone who's listening, if you've got a chance to get down to Charlotte and make it there, um, it, it's, it's going to be fun. Uh, flights on Saturday morning are not too bad. Uh, if you go down on Saturday morning, you just stay one night, you go to the game Saturday night and you leave on Sunday. It's a quick trip. It's not too expensive. And unlike last time for people who went to Charlotte last time, this time Pitt really has a chance to win. There's a, a really good chance that Pitt wins this game and wins the conference. You don't know when you'll see that again. You don't know if Clemson's going to be back at full strength next year. So this is really a great opportunity to see Pitt football win the ACC, something a lot of people thought was essentially impossible. So if there's any way to make it, uh, it's not super expensive. You can just go for one night. Uh, th- that's what I'm doing. I'm going down on Saturday, game Saturday night, coming back on Sunday. It'll be a quick trip, but, you know, 
going to this game, it's going to be big. See, man, I've been I've been going back and forth in my head if if I want to make the drive up there or not. Like that's the hardest thing right now. I'm just as happy on my couch to watch it, but to be there, that's that's going to be something great. So it, if they win, I mean, look, if they lose, then you know it's it, it's it's pretty rough. But well, if, if they, they win, win they waste one night. Hey. Right, exactly. <laughs> but man, if they win, being there when this team wins an ACC would be a, a pretty huge moment. So anyone listening, if you can make the trip. Um, this would be the time to go because if Pitt wins, you're going to want to have been there. If Pitt doesn't win, then okay. But you're saying, well, maybe I'll go to the bowl game. All reports are that if Pitt wins the game, then they'll go to the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. On, no, you know, I would go to that. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a big game. But if they lose, almost definitely they'd go to, to uh, San Diego for the Holiday Bowl. Anyone that's looked at flights, I mean, San Diego's a great city. Anyone's looked at flights, not in the cards. It is insanely expensive to get out to uh, San Diego that last week of the year. So if you're on the fence, well, I could only go to this or the bowl game. If the bowl game's in San Diego, you're probably not going. So, um, you know, it's there's a decent chance to, if you're in Pittsburgh or in Philly or wherever, it's a lot cheaper to get down to Charlotte for a night than it is to have to fly to, to San Diego, if that's the case. Um, and it seems if they lose the game, it will be. But if they win the game, yeah, you will have wanted to be uh, at the ACC championship victory. Uh, before we go, this is a big weekend for Pitt Athletics coming up. Not only is Pitt football playing in the uh, ACC championship game, but Pitt volleyball uh, ranked as one of the top teams in the country. The NCAA tournament is beginning. They'll be playing U, uh, UMBC. And then if they win, they play against uh, Penn State in the second round. And that would be at Pitt on campus. So that would be absolutely huge. And then uh, the men's soccer team, they are into the Elite Eight. So an absolutely huge uh, moment coming up for Pitt men's soccer, looking to go back to the College Cup, to the Final Four, uh, but yeah, they've got a huge game coming up against um, Notre Dame uh, this weekend that will be on uh, Saturday at 5 p.m. So obviously, if you're in Charlotte, you can't go to the game, but uh, or you, you might not be able to watch the game, but still absolutely huge pit at Notre Dame for a trip to the final four to the College Cup. Just a big weekend for Pitt athletics, football, volleyball and men's soccer. Really successful weekend for the athletic department. As a Pitt fan, you can't be mad 100%. Just no matter which, no matter which sport you root for for Pitt, it's great to see so many different avenues having so much success. Uh, yeah, absolutely agree 100%. Um, and, yeah, so just a big weekend. So, folks, just if you follow Pitt, keep an eye on uh, Cardiac Hill. There'll be coverage of Pitt volleyball, of Pitt men's soccer, of Pitt football. Just a huge weekend on the way. Uh, for the Pitt Panthers and uh, just a really special moment uh, for this program. Uh, so that'll do it. I mean, Colin, any, any final thoughts as Pitt enters this gigantic weekend? All I can say is like you said, and you just had me on my phone looking at tickets to the game. If you <laughs> can make Charlotte go, if, if we lose, it's going to suck. If we win, you're going to want to be there. So if you can make it go. Yeah. I really huge moment. And if you can make it, 
uh, reach out to me. I'll be there. So uh, let me know. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Corey E. Cohen. Um, and uh, yeah, reach out. Always, uh, you know, love to meet people uh, when I'm able to, to make it to a pit game or a pit event. So it uh, should be a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, if, if anyone's able to make it there, let me know. Uh, and it should be, a, you know, a fun social event in addition to the game. Uh, so that will do it for this episode of Unscripted. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just search for Cardiac Hill and subscribe. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back next week following that ACC championship game uh, and following a trip to Charlotte. Uh, again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you uh, to Colin Sturgio for jumping on the podcast yet again. Until next time, I'm Corey Cohen signing off from Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast.